Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. Uh, we have a few anniversaries. On January 9th, 1822, P Prince Pedro of Portugal, the Brazilian regent for his father, King João uh, VI, rejected an order from Portugal to dissolve Brazil's government and return home. That order had been arranged by a Portuguese general named Jorge de Aviles, who wanted to force Pedro out of Brazil so that he could govern the country himself. Uh, but when Aviles subsequently mutinied, uh, his forces, he and his forces, were defeated and forced to leave Brazil. Uh, this kicked off, or this incident rather, kicked off a series of events that led to Pedro's coronation as Emperor Pedro I of Brazil in October and the subsequent Brazilian War of Independence. Uh, on January 9th, 1916, this is the uh, this is the date on which the Gallipoli campaign ended, one of World War One's longest campaigns, a, an attempted Allied invasion of the Dardanelles Straits in an effort to shut those down and cut off one of the Ottoman Empire's main sea throughways. Uh, it failed miserably due to a series of miscalculations and poor command and various other uh, errors and setbacks. Uh, the battle is notable both for its length and uh, the, the extent of the failure and uh, for being a sort of coming out party for a a uh, young Ottoman officer, a lieutenant colonel by the name of Mustafa Kemal, uh, who really uh, shined in his performance here. He was under, notionally at least, under German command, uh, but it was Mustafa Kemal who made these strategic uh, decisions because he knew the, the area better than the Germans did uh, that really allowed uh, the uh, Ottomans and the Germans to, to turn aside uh, the Allied invasion. And of course, Mustafa Kemal eventually became Mustafa Kemal Ataturk uh, and was the founder uh, of the Republic of Turkey. This is sort of his origin story in that sense. Uh, on January 9th, 1917, also uh, sticking with World War One, the Battle of Rafa ended with the uh, UK defeating the last Ottoman uh, defensive position in Egypt. Uh, Rafa drove the Ottomans out of Egypt and marked the close of the Sinai portion of World War One's Sinai-Palestine campaign, which began with an Ottoman attack on the Suez Canal in late January of 1915 uh, and would end uh, with the Allies capturing Aleppo in October 1918. Uh, on to the news in the Middle East and Israel-Palestine. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken turned up in Israel on Tuesday for the fourth time since the October 7th militant attacks in southern Israel. He is trying for the fourth time to convince Israeli leaders, one, to stop killing Palestinian civilians indiscriminately, two, to make a meaningful effort to improve a humanitarian situation that, as we've covered, has left Gaza uh, uninhabitable, to quote uh, UN officials, and three, to begin planning for a post-conflict scenario that does not include the territory's ethnic cleansing. He will almost certainly fail to achieve any of those things for, yes, the fourth time. Uh, part of this trip's focus appears to be on opening northern Gaza up to civilians again. In theory, this is possible, and now that the Israeli military or IDF has uh, dismantled the Hamas framework in the northern Gaza Strip, if I'm quoting them right from earlier this week, uh, it's true that the IDF has left northern Gaza in no condition to support human life, but that's surmounted 
responsible in the short term if the Israeli government opens the area for the construction of a displaced persons camp and medical facilities, that sort of thing. Civilians who are now in the middle of the war zone in central and southern Gaza could move north to get away from the worst of the violence. In practice, this is unlikely to happen for multiple reasons. For one thing, there's no indication the IDF is actually going to taper off its bombing in northern Gaza. For another, shifting the civilian population to the north would also involve bringing humanitarian aid into Gaza via northern access points from Israel proper, and uh, that's something the Israelis have resisted. For still another thing, moving those civilians into northern Gaza puts the Israeli government further away from what seems increasingly to be its post-war goal, which is forcing those civilians out of Gaza and into Egypt and beyond. Uh, The final reason this relocation is unlikely to happen is because the Israeli government flat out opposes it. According to Axios, uh, Israeli officials were planning to tell Blinken that they won't allow civilians to relocate to the north unless or until Hamas and company agree to release the rest of their hostages. An agreement like that would presumably involve a new short-term ceasefire, and securing the hostages' release is a laudable goal, but dangling relief for Gaza's civilian population to extract concessions from Hamas is the definition of collective punishment, and thus something the Biden administration, as champion of the so-called rules-based order, should oppose. Israeli officials have reportedly agreed to allow the United Nations to inspect conditions in northern Gaza with an eye toward a potential future relocation, but if that was meant as a concession, session to Blinken, it barely qualifies as one. Uh, In other stories here, according to the Wall Street Journal, there has been some movement on the hostage front, with an Israeli delegation heading to Cairo on Monday for more talks. The last round of negotiations broke down earlier this month after the IDF strike that killed senior Hamas political official Saleh al-Aruri in Beirut. Uh, Hamas had apparently proposed freeing 40 hostages at a rate of one per day, which would ensure an extended ceasefire, with Gazans also permitted to to return to the northern part of the territory. Uh, I would be shocked if the Israelis agreed to anything close to those terms, but the general framework of daily hostage release uh, for ceasefire uh, is essentially the same as their previous ceasefire deal. Uh, The IDF reported on Tuesday that nine of its soldiers had been killed in Gaza over the previous day, which would make that the deadliest 24-hour period for Israeli personnel since October 7th, at least as far as official casualty figures are concerned. Apparently, six were killed in a single accidental explosion at what the IDF called a weapons production site in the Barij refugee camp, or or rather, I think, underneath it. Uh, Officially, the IDF says uh, it has lost 187 soldiers uh, in Gaza today date, uh, which is not including those who were killed in the October 7th attacks. Uh, Ishan Tharoor at the Washington Post did a piece highlighting the shocking number of journalists killed in Gaza since October 7th. Uh, it's 79, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists, and over 100, according to Palestinian figures. That is upwards of 10% of all the journalists in Gaza. The IDF has insisted it is not deliberately targeting journalists, but that claim is increasingly difficult to sustain as the death toll continues to rise. It's also hard to square with reporting, uh, which we've covered here in this newsletter, that suggests the IDF knows with a high degree of certainty exactly who it's targeting at any given time. 
Uh, and the International Court of Justice will hold its first hearing on Thursday on the South African government's filing accusing the Israeli government of violating the 1948 Genocide Convention. Israel is a signatory to that convention, so it is on paper obliged to obey any ruling the ICJ makes in this case. It almost certainly won't obey a ruling that goes against its operation, which would uh, undermine the credibility of the convention and the ICJ. Uh, for that reason, I would not be surprised if the court were to find a way to rule against the Gaza operation without imposing anything on the Israelis in order to avoid the inevitable act of defiance. Uh, moving on to Iraq, the U.S. military carried out an airstrike on a rocket launch site near Ain al-Assad Air Base in western Iraq on Tuesday that Iraqi sources say foiled an attack on that facility. Uh, the attack destroyed the launcher, but there's no word on casualties, nor is it clear who was planning the alleged attack, probably an Iraqi militia, but Islamic State can't be ruled out. In Syria, IS was responsible for an attack on a Syrian army bus near Palmyra on Tuesday that killed at least eight soldiers, according to the Syrian military, or 14 soldiers, according to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. IS remnants use Syria's desert regions as cover to carry out these sorts of hit-and-run attacks frequently against military personnel. Uh, elsewhere, Reuters is reporting that the Jordanian military carried out no fewer than four airstrikes in Syria on Tuesday, targeting facilities li linked with drug trafficking. Local media is reporting that at least three people were killed in those strikes, but that's unconfirmed. Uh, the Jordanian government attributes most of the drug smuggling out of Syria to Iranian-backed militias, including Hezbollah. Uh, in Lebanon, uh, speaking of which, an Israeli drone strike reportedly killed three Hezbollah fighters in southern Lebanon on Tuesday. Earlier in the day, Hezbollah said that it had carried out a drone strike targeting the IDF's command facility in northern Israel. Uh, this was in response for the recent Israeli attacks, uh, including the one that killed Aruri and the one that killed Hezbollah commander Wissam Tawil earlier this week. According to Israeli officials, the attack had no effect in terms of casualties or damage. Uh, but as of Tuesday evening, the IDF was claiming that it had carried out another airstrike, apparently, that had killed Hezbollah official Ali Hussein Burji in an airstrike. Burji was uh, reportedly the leader of the militia's drone unit in southern Lebanon, its aerial unit, I guess, to be fancy about it, uh, and that he had been responsible for the drone strike on that IDF facility earlier in the day. Uh, Israeli officials continue to risk escalating this back and forth into a full-blown war while demanding that Hezbollah withdraw its fighters north of the Latani River under Israel's interpretation of the 2006 UN Security Council Resolution 1701. Uh, in Yemen, Houthi forces in uh, northern Yemen fired drones and missiles at commercial ships in the Red Sea again on Tuesday evening. There's no indication that they successfully struck any vessels. Uh, the Houthis continue, of course, their efforts to disrupt Red Sea shipping in response to the situation in Gaza. Uh, moving on to Asia and Afghanistan, a bombing targeting a minivan in eastern Kabul on Tuesday left at least three people dead and four more wounded. As far as I know, there has been no claim of responsibility yet, but I think it's safe to assume that Islamic State was involved. Uh, in Bhutan, a country we don't often cover here, that country held its the second round of its parliamentary election on Tuesday, and the People's Democratic Party, led by former and presumably future Prime Minister Chiring Tobgai, and my apologies for mangling that name, uh, has apparently emerged victorious. Uh, the PDP is expected to control 30 seats, give or take, in the 47-seat National Assembly, with the remainder going to the other second-round participant, the Bhutan Tendril Party. Uh, the current ruling party, and I'm really going to butcher this, I'm sorry, the Druk Nyamrub Chogpa uh, party, uh, did not make the runoff. 
the campaign turned apparently on economic issues for the most part. Uh, in China, this week has seen the resumption of in-person military-to-military contact between the U.S. and China uh, at the Pentagon. Such meetings have been a fairly regular occurrence until then. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan uh, in 2022 prompted Beijing to suspend them. Restoring military-to-military contact was Joe Biden's main objective heading into his summit meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping back in November Eventually, a meeting of defense ministers would be in order, but at the moment, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's health is in question. We'll have more on that in a minute, uh, a couple minutes maybe. Uh, and she only just appointed a new defense minister, a man named Dong Jun, uh, late last month. Uh, on to Africa and Tunisia, where a group called the Tunisian Forum for Economic and Social Rights is accusing the government of a variety of actions, including mass expulsions and arbitrary arrests, targeting African migrants on behalf of European governments. Much of this activity appears to be centered on the city of Sfax, which is a jumping off point for migrants from other parts of Africa attempting to cross the Mediterranean. Uh, although he's taken a wrecking ball to Tunisian democracy, President Kais Saeed has continued to receive European financial aid in return for interdicting the movement of people toward Europe. Uh, Said has in turn stoked hostility toward sub-Saharan Africans uh, by claiming that their arrival is part of a plot to alter Tunisia's, quote, demographic makeup, end quote. Uh, in Nigeria, at least 10 people have been killed in two separate landmine incidents along the same highway in northeastern Nigeria's Borno State over the past two days. The first incident killed at least three people late Monday, while the second involved a truck and left at least seven people dead on Tuesday morning. Uh, both blasts occurred near the Cameroonian border. Islamic State, West Africa province, and Boko Haram are both active in that region. Uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Congolese soldiers are accused of killing at least seven civilians in an incident that took place on Monday in North Kivu province. Local militia also killed three soldiers, uh, but the sequence of events is unclear and the militia may have been responding to an initial outburst of violence by the soldiers. Authorities have arrested six soldiers in connection with the shooting. Uh, local sentiment toward Congolese security forces is not terribly positive under normal circumstances, and this incident will certainly not do much to win over hearts and minds. Uh, in Europe and Russia, Ukrainian drone strike killed one person in Russia's Kursk Oblast on Tuesday. Drones also attacked a fuel facility in neighboring Oryol Oblast, uh, causing a fire, but apparently no casualties. In Ukraine, Ukrainian officials are saying that they are running out of air defense missiles in the face of major Russian drone and missile attacks. This was already apparent from the declining rate of air interceptions by Ukrainian defense systems. And this isn't even the first time that Ukrainian leaders are talking openly about their depleted stockpiles. But this warning comes as new military funding for Ukraine remains stalled in the U.S. Congress. And there, so there's no indication when or if new missiles are going to be arriving anytime soon. Uh, Ukraine has no domestic air defense missile industry, though there's been talk of creating one, so it is dependent on foreign suppliers. And in France, French President Emmanuel Macron named Education Minister Gabriel Attal as his new prime minister on Tuesday, replacing the departed Elizabeth Bourne. We covered her resignation in yesterday's newsletter. Uh, at 34, Attal is the youngest prime minister in French history and also the first openly gay individual to serve in that office. His appointment is intended to turn the page on some of the less popular initiatives Macron has undertaken over the past year or so, particularly last year. Year's pension reform, 
and to fend off a growing far-right challenge ahead of this year's European parliamentary election. Presumably, Attal can also be considered a potential successor to Macron, who is term-limited, though the next French presidential election isn't until 2027, so handicapping that race right now is kind of a sucker's game. Uh, And in the Americas, in Ecuador, that country's emerging security crisis escalated dramatically on Tuesday when gunmen interrupted a live broadcast on Ecuadorian TV station TC in Guayaquil and took a number of hostages. Police say they've arrested 13 people in connection with that incident, which now appears to be at an end. But it was only the that was only the most dramatic of several violent encounters that have been taking place across the country. Uh, at least eight people were killed in various inc- incidents just in Guayaquil on Tuesday, and scores of police officers and prison guards have reportedly been taken hostage in recent days. Uh, one day after imposing a state of emergency following the apparent escape of formerly imprisoned gang leader Jose Adolfo Macias, Ecuadorian President Daniel Noboa on Tuesday declared that the country is under quote internal armed conflict, end quote, and classified 22 criminal gangs as terrorist organizations. Uh, And in the United States, finally, uh, I mentioned Lloyd Austin's health problems earlier, uh, his hitherto unspecified health problems. They have now been specified. And according to the Pentagon, he is in treatment for prostate cancer. He has apparently known this since early December, but the White House only became aware of it after news broke over the weekend that Austin had been in the hospital for an infection since January 1st, but hadn't uh, notified anyone in the Biden administration. Uh, A desire for medical privacy certainly is understandable, uh, but it is one of those things that uh, one generally surrenders in return uh, for assuming a position uh, like Secretary of Defense. Uh, In other words, if you'd like to keep your health concerns private, you probably shouldn't take that job. Uh, The White House has criticized Austin's handling uh, of this situation, for which he has apologized, but there doesn't appear to be any indication at this point that Joe Biden uh, is planning to fire him. Uh, On that note, uh, I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Thanks to all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter. Uh, And thanks to those of you who are foreign exchange subscribers, uh, particularly those of you who are paid foreign exchange subscribers for making this newsletter possible. Until next time, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.